Welcome everyone. Welcome to Freedom International live stream. And uh, I wanted to remind people that we did come together with like Roy on Hartmut, John and other podcasters when we didn't even know each other, we haven't met each other, but with, with us, with our intention to be able to come together powerfully to spread the truth and empower you. So we came together. So primarily what I want you to do as well is if this podcast, if this episode and the other past episodes resonates to you and it's, it's giving you a spark of truth, all you have to do is really like like and share it and all the links of our really um dedicated guests powerful courageous just share it to them go or else we will never be able to make any changes and we we're not really entitled to entitled to complain so much if we're not being active being engaged in this change so welcome to freedom international live stream and Today, I am so excited because finally we have Catherine Watt. And I've been following her already, but you know, she's she's one of the most cited, needed, whether it's in person or online, by many of the other truth and freedom fighters whom you all know. So welcome, Catherine. And uh, I'm so happy that you are joining us today. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. So. Catherine is um, uh, as a writer, she's a mother, she's a paralegal printmaker, and yes, she's a wife as well. And she earned a philosophy in um, a natural sciences degree from Penn State in 1996, and then worked as a reporter for small newspapers. And in 2003, she earned a paralegal certificate and has provided leaguers research and writing for small firms, practicing constitutional, civil rights, and environmental law. So she also published several independent journalism blogs and worked on local food, water, and energy security campaigns. And she founded, finally, in 2016, Bailiwick News. So do yourself a favor and subscribe to Bailiwick News. And in in, in when... She did this in 2016. She focused a lot now, um, especially, you know, I mean, in 2016, although she has the Bailiwick News, but it was in 2020 that she fully dived in on what was happening to us in the pandemic, scandemic, whatever you call it. We all know and have experienced what it has done to us and our friends and loved ones. So with that, she included legal framework investigations. So it is so important that you follow her because in this topic of the legal walls of the COVID-19 kill box, she has tons of information. She has an abbreviated version as well, but both of them will lead you to many awakening or information that suddenly you don't have to look so far away for why this thing doesn't seem to end. Because as Catherine would say, everything has been weaponized. Although we all know that public has, has been militarized, but Catherine will bring us to the role of the DOD, the World Health, and uh, um, Bank of International Settlements. So even me, I'm learning all these three, three letters, organizations. And the craziest thing is that in each of these big organizations are still smaller organizations contributing to make this happen. So um, Catherine, so for, for those for our audience, it, your title is so catchy. So that's legal walls of the COVID-19 kill box. How did you come up with that? And uh, I'll just throw some questions because I know we have a limited time and I'll let you just carry on and lead us to the conversation and Roy will just come in and the other team members. So with the legal walls, it's legal and yet it's a kill box. Yes. I The term I got from Todd Callender because um, after I had been looking around 
during 2020 and 2021 to figure out what was happening and why there seemed to be no stopping condition, um, no, no way for, like you said, for things to come to an end. Um, I heard his podcast with um, Elizabeth Lee Vliet on January 30th, 2022 uh, on her show, which is called Truth for Health. And he talked about it as the kill box. Um, he has a military background and I do not, but I looked it up and found it's a, it's a military term that has to do with planning military campaigns in a geographical and temporal way. Like here's the place we're gonna go. Here's the targets we're gonna try to kill. Here's how we're gonna try to contain them in the location that we can access with this weapons system. Um, and so that construct is useful for understanding the global kill box that the pandemic, whatever you want to call it, is about and is and uses to do what it's doing to kill people. Now, who is in the kill box, and if and how do we get out of the kill box? Everybody is in the kill box. Um, some of the reasoning behind that argument comes from the 2001 authorization for use of military force because it the the evidence of the legal trail indicates that for the people who are orchestrating it it's part of their national security um, understanding of the world as being full of threats that are not super visible terrorism threats, um, for example, through like cells of terrorists that are embedded in other countries and you don't know that they're there until they launch an attack. And on the basis of that national security framing, Congress and President Bush passed the authorization for use of military force in 2001 that had no limits in geography and no limits in time. Um, basically, it said that the US military can go anywhere at any time on the pretext of the US military saying that they think there's a terrorist or a terrorist group there and they can use any weapon system they want and they can kill any targets that they want. And then that has been folded together with this militarized public health system so that everybody in the world who they construe as a national security threat, whether because they think of us as a burden on the environment, which is what they're doing with the climate change um, framing or whether they think that we're threats because of a public health communicable disease. They think we're carriers. They think we could be carriers. Um, they can kill us to stop the transmission of whatever that thing is um, or to stop that terrorist activity from going on. And they don't have to demonstrate any facts or evidence to anyone because the 2001 AUMF covers everything that they wanna do. Thank you, Catherine. Now, in the, on a personal note, like, how do you yourself handle your day-to-day -day situation? Because, like, for me, and I'm sure, you know, for others and who are in my circle, it seems like everything is kind of so heavy, and like, it, it, like we we're not so sure if we're really making a difference, or will it ever be, you know, able to have that strategy to be creative enough so that it can really go on the other side that's favorable for us, for we the people. So how do you do that? I, I'm a Catholic um, and I was not a practicing Catholic at the beginning of all of this stuff that came in January, 2020. I was baptized when I was a baby. I had first Holy Communion and then because of things that were going on in the Catholic church and in my parents and my family, our family fell away from the church, or at least I did. My father continued to go um, when I was in my teens and I didn't come back to it until it became so clear to me that there was something incredibly evil and supernatural participating in and getting humans to participate in the things that were happening. Um, and that pushed me back towards my Catholic 
roots and back to going to mass um, and back to prayer. And that is the thing that has made it possible for me to maintain my own stability while looking at the evil and the human level of the evil that's going on and not fall apart while looking at it. So, yeah. I think it's nice to hear that, you know, that's what you are primarily using to protect yourself. And because many times at the end of the day, when we feel helpless, mm -hmm. you know, or hopeless, there's right. still something that holds us together. They say, no, 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 no. Don't ever do that. Don't ever feel like that. Right. And, 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 but then of course, yeah. And we just have to be aware that even that they will use spirituality. They will use faith to really get immersed to the weak, it can pull us to that evil, to that, you know, satanic. That's why when people say, like, we don't understand what's going on, but it wasn't meant for us to understand unless mm -hmm. we hold on to that, um, your spirituality that, hey, hey, there's something much bigger. Mm -hmm. And so we uh, invite other um individuals or people in our circle and those listening that if nothing else don't let that fear really defeat you mm -hmm. that you say let me just uh, you know follow everything because yeah. that really makes me sad because i know i just came back from the philippines and it's just like they they, they forgot that there's something much more stronger that can we should reach out so thank you so much and i i pass it on to roy okay thanks grace uh, hi catherine so i suppose just kind of leading on from there um because they're going for the one world government and i see now they're trying to push the one world religion yeah and if you look at the vatican you can see it's a serpent mm -hmm. and like the whole lot's kind of connected everything that they're doing they're just trying to destroy religion they're trying to destroy the whole system so like is that something that you've looked at as well yes i mean I, I do trace not only the legal systems and the financial systems but also the religious infiltration and sort of covert overthrow thing also particularly through the catholic church um and there are a lot of different organizations that a lot of different researchers sort of focus in on like the freemasons like um the Zionists, like they, I tend to think that all of those groups are functioning sort of in parallel. Sometimes they work together, sometimes they don't, but they do share the goal, which is a Luciferian goal of destroying the Catholic church institutionally and destroying the Catholic faith as much as possible, um, weakening the, the mystical body, um, which is the members of the church with Christ as the head. That's that's a very important for them to do because that is the thing, the main human institution that stands in the way of the one world government that they want. And they've been very effective. Vatican II was, was a really effective way to hollow out the institutional church and to weaken the faith of Catholics. Um, and they knew that, that that was deliberate. It was planned for decades. Um, they sort of fostered the people that they would put into the Vatican II process so that those people would insert language into the documents that could then be interpreted afterwards in ways that would weaken Catholic faith. Um, so I, I, do, I do trace it back to that. I don't, I, I make a distinction between the church itself, the, the church that Christ founded and the institutional Vatican that has been corrupted. And so my faith, and the faith of people who are clinging to God and trying to work on towards their own eternal salvation and the salvation of others, it functions okay. It would be better if the institution of the Catholic Church was stronger and was not corrupted. But it's not like the faith is gone. It's just pushed underground. It's made more difficult for people. Um, so yeah, that's how I would talk about that. And I don't write about that a ton, but I do. No, I, but 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 yeah, but I think it's relevant. But I do. I, I, I mean, do think it yeah. through, and I do read it. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, like, you know, we talked prior to recording about um, basically, you know, being removed from YouTube and, you know, the censorship and everything. And I see, like, you've got your stuff on Substack. Like, I'd like to kind of touch on that as well as also the controlled opposition because I'm seeing lots of people with millions of followers that are so-called on our side, but I know from the symbolism and just little penny drops that they're putting out there that there's a lot out there that are not on our side that are pretending to be, and it's something that you've kind of witnessed yourself. That is something that I've kind of witnessed myself, for sure, um, and the way that I choose to deal with it is that I, I try to ignore what they're saying as much as possible, not cite them as much as I can in my own work. I don't tend to try to attack them directly because I think that part of the mechanism of reducing the effectiveness of people who are doing this type of work, like going after the DOD, going after the Bank for International Settlements, is to distract us in side conflicts on side issues. And one of those forms of side conflict is that like inter whatever, like instead of writing about the stuff I do write about, I could be writing about the people that I'm worried are controlled opposition or are um, distractions or are misleading people saying true things, but not saying them in a complete way or whatever. And I don't want to get pulled into that because I, I need to and want to keep attention focused, my own attention and the attention of the people who read my work focused on the actual, like the Bank for International Settlements, the financial structures, the legal structures, Congress, all of that stuff. Um, but yes, I know I know that they are there. I watch what they're doing. I think about it. I just try not to head it, like dire directly address it. Okay, perfect. And like, I've had a lot of court cases myself and I could see both in Ireland and Poland how corrupt the system is and also when governments are changing they're changing the high you know the top judges so like that in itself is actually scary like with what's going on legally around and maybe i suppose maybe you're just watching uh, america i'm not sure are you watching the whole world but is there any kind of hope is there are we getting any results that that's actually going to make some changes um i don't know that, that goes back to my faith and my understanding that I do not have any control over the time frame of any of this. I have control over my own participation in it. Um, and to go back to the like what keeps me going, I do take breaks and I tell people to take breaks. I One of the ways I think about it is don't rush, don't stop, and don't worry because because the end result is not in my control or the control of any of us who are doing it, but our own daily efforts are. And that kind of goes back to Padre Pio, St. Padre Pio's pray, hope, and don't worry. That just, I don't know what, what might be happening in the hearts and minds of like Congress members who do understand what's happening, but have not found the courage to come forward yet. I know they exist because I've talked to them, but they're not ready to come forward. And I understand why, because they know what happened to Kennedy, JFK. Um, they know what Eisenhower said about the military industrial complex. They know about their own political careers and how dependent those are on um, keeping their overseers happy, um, or at least not challenging or threatening their overseers. But there may come a point and I work towards that point where they decide it is more important to speak up. It is more important to put bills on the floor of the house or introduce them in the Senate or uh, file cases with courts. It may, there will may come a point where judges start to flip and giving them lots of material to work with is how I think of my own particular role. And other people are also doing the same thing with the scientific data and the analysis of the vials and the analysis of the infectious um, whatever the SARS-CoV-2 turns out to be. Um, so that's how I would answer that. I don't I don't know. I've seen some suggestions about the, the percent of people that need to be aligned around like a, a, a major political change being like three and a half percent. 
I, I don't know if that number is accurate. I just saw that yesterday. Um, whatever that tipping point is, that's I'm watching for it and I'm working towards it. Okay. And like with big pharma, over the years we've seen them getting billions of dollars in fines. And is it just a way of them rolling the money around? Because it seems like nothing really happens. And I, I've noticed it from Ireland. I don't know, is it happening around the world? But a lot of the time, kind of grants for companies, you mm -hmm. would think it's for startups and stuff like that are going to expand. But it seems to be like pharma gets grants. And for companies that are making massive profits, you're going, what's going on here? And I don't know, is that happening around the world? But I mean, you might just touch on like the billions of dollars of fine. And it's like people now have full trust in like the likes of Pfizer's when they've had loads of cases against them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just think it's a shell game. I think the money system has been almost completely fake since 1913. Um, so they they print money out of nothing. They hand it out to anybody that they want to give whatever the power that comes from being able to further distribute that money. Um, that's what congressional appropriations are for. That's what grants are for. Um, so it's, I don't track the hundreds of million dollars here, billion dollars there, because to me, it's like a shell game. It's, 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 it's real in the sense that they use it to kill people and to make these products, but it's not real in another way because it's made up money. Um, and I know, I know that they know that. I mean, part of what they're doing now is because they've come to the, the end of the point where they can continue to make it up and make the system function. It's like a Ponzi scheme and they've got to the, the last of the people that they can uh, scam through the Ponzi scheme. And so the, they're, they're imploding the whole thing in a, a way that they think is controlled for, so that the people at the top of the Ponzi scheme will be okay at the end and everybody else will either be bankrupt or dead. Um, that's kind of how I look at the money, the money piece of it. Okay. And like, have you, cause like, you know, over the last three years, loads of people have been talking about, you know, the dangers to the jab and everything. And like, with some of the research that I've done, it goes back hundreds of years, everything connected with vaccines. And apparently mm -hmm. it's cancer started from when the smallpox and how they created that. And a lot of the time it's like the military tends to be like the guinea pigs that they use their own military. And that's going on for kind of hundreds of years. And it's just kind of seems to be replicating itself. Lockdowns. I mean, I was shocked to see that there was previous lockdowns. They were putting people yeah. in prison if they didn't get their children vaccinated, you know, a couple of hundred years ago. And you're like, what's going on there? So, like, is that something that you've actually seen yourself as well? Have you kind of... I, I haven't tracked it back. I haven't tracked it back as far as you said for the smallpox. I did read about, I think it was Lancashire, England had in the maybe 1840s the there was some kind of effort to vaccinate everyone in the town for something i can't remember which disease it was and they fought it and that i found that at some point looking for like um civilian efforts to push back on this kind of stuff um before covid came along i did not know very much about the spanish flu in 1918 um now I look at that and I think, yes, that was probably a vaccine-induced um, disaster of damaging people's immune systems. Um, they did masking at that time too. Um, and the 1918, like I think what you're saying is probably true, although I have not looked back that far. 1918 and the 1910 to 1919 decade was a key decade for this merger of the banking, the public health and the military structures with the Federal Reserve Act with a whole bunch of other events. And it was also a key decade for um, things like the Fatima miracles in, um, I think it was in Spain, um, which was related to the Catholic church and the communist rise of communism in in the Soviet Union. Um, so yeah, these things all do tie together. And I am 
I deeply regret all of the vaccines I've taken. I deeply regret all of the ones I've had my kids take. I tell them not to take any more ever. I don't plan to take any more ever. But I did not know that before 2020. Me too. And that's just, uh, it's called the poison needle, Eleanor mm. McBean. Just for you and for the listeners that I would highly recommend to read this book. It's actually shocking, all the information in it. And uh, finally, before I pass you on to Hartman, I know you've talked about kind of how we can kind of cha make change. And it's, I think it's kind of like at local level because it looks like attacking the institutions is 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 very difficult you know they're so protected and if we can take control of our little towns or little cities like what what would you be advising people to try to do to get off the couch and how we can make change i i generally say that people should do anything they can think of doing at any level that they would like to work because there is absolutely no shortage of things that people can try to do. And that goes from your school board and talking to your own family and talking to your own friends, making your own decisions about medical treatment, um, financial decisions, all the way up to pushing as much as you can for your national government to draw a line and say, the World Health Organization needs to get out of this country the bank for international settlements needs to get out of this country. We need to end our central banking system and um, restore actual sovereign governments in nation states as separate, separate countries, not subdivisions of the one world government. Um, and so, yeah, you can, I put together resources at, at two, two websites, related to five small stones, five, the number five small stones. And so I have things there that you can like file at your county level to say, I'm not gonna comply. I understand that this is a war crimes um, setup program, whatever, I'm not gonna comply. I'm not gonna participate myself. And I know that everyone around me who's doing it is participating in war crimes and I'm going on record to say that that's an individual thing. And then there's the other things like, like working at the county level, working at the town level all about setting boundaries on this overreach that the globalists are doing. Okay, excellent. And just just uh, one of the books, Confessions of an Economic Hitman yes. with John Perkins, he's basically telling how they went in and took over all the countries. So you're kind of wondering how our country is complying and make, giving money to the World Health Organization. It's basically they're in debt to them because that's how it was orchestrated. But listen, Catherine, thank you Great. very much for what you're doing. And I'll pass you on to Hartman. Okay. Thank you. Catherine, it's a real pleasure to have you here on the show. And, um, and I want to add something concerning the history of the vaccination. It was Napoleon in the year 1814 who started the vaccination with smallpox and he vaccinated one million children because he believed that if you if the children survived this vaccine, uh, the smallpox, they became ugly but very strong soldiers. Hmm. It's very strange. Yeah, but um, so the, it's unbelievable what they have done to us. And um, if you... Uh, talk about, um, for example, the, the central banks. The central banks, according to Robert Kiyosaki, they are also, let's say, they have a communistic character. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and um, and the, the lawyer, Mrs. Hughes, who was a lawyer for the World Bank, he said, she said that the secret services all over the world work together like the banks, and they have to make a report one time a year to the Vatican mm. and accept, let's say, accept the Orthodox Church because according to John Eric Phelps, who is uh, who wrote the book Vatican Assassins, he said that uh, the Orthodox Church is the enemy of the Vatican. Mm. Yeah, this is, um, so uh, it's, I have one question. How deep are you also in, in the 5G and in vaccination? I am not deep in the 5G. I am aware of it. And mm -hmm. I get emails from people with reports. I have some some reports on my hard drive and I know that it is connected to the overall poisoning um, 
plans and well they they have they plan to do more they have already done a lot with 4g and 3g and other forms of electromagnetic toxicity um the other thing you said was vaccines and yeah again i i collect reports about it but i don't do my own deep dives into that because i focus on the legal deep dives mm-hmm. um so that's and and, and considering the uh, do you see do you see that between the banks are war that for example by by establishing they they want to de- destroy all the banks so that we get all um how can i say that we get all bankrupt yes i think i think they want us as slaves i think they want yeah. us in debt they, they want the central bank digital currencies they want to have our access to any financial transaction systems directly linked to our compliance with any other kind of behavioral order that they choose to give us. Um, I don't know if that answers the question you're asking. Yes, and um, my question is, um, for example, if you, the the point is we see it, for example, in Germany, um, we had uh, a court case here, for example, where in which the the court how can i say the court change the facts for example if yes. if someone in germany says for example um you are a woman and she may but he but he made a transgender he said no i'm uh, no you are a man and he said no i'm i made a i made a, i made a switch i i'm a i'm a woman and if you don't accept this and if you public this then you have to get a then uh, the court says you have to uh, pay a fine of 250,000 euros mm-hmm. so they start to the court system starts to change to, so that it becomes very unsecure for the people mm-hmm. to use the language or to speak your own opinion have you have you uh, any experience in this kind uh, in the USA as well Yes, it's that's a that's another piece of the global um, destabilization of every social convention that humans have used to maintain stability in their lives needs okay. to be destabilized so that the one world government can come in and control all of the things Lang- language is important it is important to them to control and manipulate language and cut people off from traditional conventional meanings of words and meanings of concepts and meanings of relationships like family relationships like man woman marriage parent child all of those things have been deliberately undermined ex- yes. especially over the last century even more so since Vatican II. Um, and they are continuing that because it is important to them. They, they have to break everybody down psychologically and spiritually to make us more compliant slaves. Because if you can think things through yourself, if you can hold on to the meanings of words and interpret your reality based on fixed moral concepts, fixed linguistic concepts, then you are not as susceptible to being enslaved. And they don't want that. Um, well, the I, one hope I have, for example, especially uh, concerning the UN, um, Russia and China and Brazil, they asked for an investigation of Nord Stream 2 mm-hmm. from the United Nations. And as it was let's say it was banned and no one wanted to have this investigation from the united nations so there are countries which wants to establish a new system parallel to the united nations i had not heard that what is the name of that maybe i've heard of it but i didn't know that the name i don't know i don't oh. just know that they want to do it and, uh, and who is the they that... one leading company one leading um country is russia yeah ah, the BRICS. Okay. the BRICS, of course but it's not uh it's not the BRICS itself. It's um, Russia wants to establish a new council. Okay. Yeah. I, it makes no sense anymore. I had not heard that, but I would tend to be skeptical of it because 
I don't think that Russia and China and the BRICS are outside of this global system. I think it's more likely that they're putting that up as a way to pretend to come up with an independent or credible global system in order to suck in the people who are mad at the UN and make them think that this is something different, when in fact, I think it's a supranational project. And I think it incorporates communism and capitalism, or for lack of a better, whatever. I know capitalism isn't whatever, but my geopolitical outlook is mostly influenced by um, Malachi Martin's book called The Keys of This Blood, which uh, kind of lays it out as a three-part battle between, broadly speaking, communism, capitalism, and the Catholic faith. Um, and he's, he's very clear in that book that John Paul II and the Vatican II popes and the ones, well, he died before, um, some of the more recent popes, but he acknowledges that they have participated in the infiltration and corruption of the Catholic church. Mm -hmm. But he, I think, and he obviously thinks cause he wrote it, that his basic understanding of the three way fight is useful for understanding what's happening. And so in some ways, the battle between communism and capitalism is a fake battle because it's really just the globalist bankers. And that brings it back to being just a good versus evil, Catholic faith versus Luciferian manipulation and lying. Um, so it's, so. Uh, this is the two sides of one coin. Yes. That's one like of nationalism and communism. You can say also capitalism and communism is the same coin. Yeah, because both of coin. them both of them are built on uh, the individual being conceived as an instrument that serves at the will of the state or of a human government, not a creature endowed by God with a soul and an immortal um, existence that is related primarily to God. It's it's either we're serving God or we're serving something other than God, fighting God. Um, and so, yeah, there's, there's lots of different ways to pull people away from God. Um, one way is, can be thought of under the communist, the other way is capitalist. And I mean, those are just the modern ones. It goes back all the way thousands of years too. This is very interesting because um, uh, two weeks ago I had a very interesting thought from my side that, um, for example, we I was used to pray to God for help and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. An interesting thing is the question is can God can God also count on me? Mm. Yeah. yeah. And, and this I think. If if we if we make the promise to that God can count on us mm -hmm. in that moment we have the possibility to change because in this moment we we have we have the present moment and our our thoughts are the whole time in the future mm -hmm. which is in our mind often many bad because we think in very bad situations mm -hmm. or we remember the past. So we are hold by the past. Yeah. And if the moment in the moment when we uh, when we decide to um, to to make a decision for God in order to say God, you can count on me. In that moment, I break free from this kind of habit. Yeah, that's the the thy will be done. Thy will be done. Yeah. Yes. One hundred. And it's also the free will. The act. The act of the will. Yes. To choose between seeking to understand what God's will and to carry it out as best you can, or the act of the will to say, no, I'm not going to do it. And that's what, that's what the fallen angels did. They non servium, they will not obey. They will not serve. Um, it's, it's a binary choice and it is a free choice because you are able to choose to say, no, you shouldn't choose to say no, but you're able to do it because that's how God made us. Um, yes. Yeah. 
So thank you so much. Thank you so much. It was a, it was a pleasure. I pass it to John. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, Catherine, how are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing great. Um, I'm really starting to get intrigued with uh, your journey back to uh, Christianity because I have a, I've had a, no, you're yeah. laughing, but I've had no, a similar experience with it too, because at yeah. the beginning of the pandemic, I actually started seeing stuff that was being spoken by our, our, I'm Greek Orthodox, mm -hmm. uh, our ancient Holy Fathers. Mm -hmm. And this is stuff that they were predicting in the fourth century. Uh. Yeah. Right up, right up until 1996. Uh -huh. And it's, and it was starting to come true. I was like, what is going on? This is, this is crazy. It's interesting. Yeah. But there was something that uh, one of the, uh, the, I think it was uh, John, the apostle John, he said, uh, for the people that are living in, in the time, in the end times, do not fear, but rejoice for you will be holier. The ones that hold off, for you will be holier than the angels, mm. uh, higher than the angels. So I take a little bit of uh, comfort in that. Um, I don't want to really focus too much on 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 uh, the, the, the spiritual part, because I know we want to talk more about, uh, you know, a lot about especially your, your article. But I just quick question. Do you know anything about the Great Schism of 10, 1054? And do you think that the two churches, Chris, uh, the the, Cat, the Vatican and um, Constantinople, are going to rejoin together. I that is not something I've looked into in any depth. I know of it, um, and I guess my my surface level understanding of the prophetic aspects of the Bible and the teachings of the Catholic Church is that there the schismatic components of the Christian world will at some point all come back to the, the Roman Catholic church in some way before the end. But I don't have any extra, I don't have any detailed understanding of the, the arguments or the history on that. Okay. Cause it was more, it was it, the Orthodox and the, uh based off of the uh the pope head the the pope being the head of uh the the, the chief representative of of christ on earth so we would have to report to him where greek orthodox eastern orthodoxy is like no that's not how it's uh, mm -hmm. it's not how christ wanted it um but i i am seeing a little bit of a shift between the two um the two churches coming together and it's uh quite interesting it is. A lot of, uh, it's quite interesting because a lot of Greek because of it. You're cutting out a little bit. I don't know if other people are hearing that, but no, it's uh, it's my internet. Oh, um, okay. I don't think the Canadian government likes me <laughs> speaking to you, so no, we're gonna be not. doing we're gonna be doing the best that we can. Um, here in Ontario, where I live, we in your in the article that I read about you, you were talking about how the um, government influence on the medical system has helped coerce physicians. Mm -hmm. Here in Ontario, we have something called OHIP, the Ontario Health Insurance Plan. Our tax dollars fund OHIP so that when we go to the hospital or see our doctor, we don't pay out of pocket. I lived in Florida for about a year and I saw a big difference. How out in the US right now? Can you repeat that question? Because you cut out for a minute. I got the beginning part, I didn't get the actual question. Yeah, they don't want me saying this. <laughs> How is the US implementing this healthcare? How does it, yeah, the U.S. is doing it. I think I heard your question that time. How is the U.S. implementing the health, like control of, of health services? Um, they did it mostly when they went to managed care, the HMO system in the late 80s, mid 80s maybe. When I was very little, um, I think my parents did mostly paying out of pocket to take us to the pediatrician for like routine 
visits and sick visits. And then they put in the HMO managed health management organization. And that was a mechanism to centralize doctors as not being sole practitioners anymore that could make their own diagnostic decisions and treatment decisions. They are now, because that system has been built up so well and deepened through Obamacare and related Medicare, Medicaid um, programs, the doctors don't have discretion anymore in their diagnostic or treatment. They have to go by the protocols and policies that the HMO issues. They have to use the coding systems. They have to charge the amounts that have been negotiated. And I think that is the main mechanism in the United States, which I guess is, it's just a form of nationalized healthcare, but it's corporate nationalized instead of direct nationalized, but it amounts to the same thing. Um, it, it, it put itself into the patient doctor relationship. And there are doctors now who are trying to break free of it. They will probably have to break free of the licensure system as well. And they will probably have to market themselves as being unlicensed medical advice professionals or something. Um, and I think patients will start to seek them out when they do that too, because they will be looking for doctors who can use their own discretion to get away from doctors who are just implementing the kill box programs. I can see that happening in the US, but here in Ontario, it's, um, I don't know the, the other provinces, how they function. I know here in Ontario, it's, it's a giant kill box here. Yeah. I, I actually worked in a hospital, so I understand where the hospitals, um, when the hospitals are dependent on the, well, here it's provincial, but if, if in the US it's the state, then uh, they have to follow suit with what the state law is or what the provincial law is or what the federal law is. And they, it's it's a dangerous slope to go down. It is. One of the women I work with um, in Texas uh has she advocates for a flipping of that power relationship to the extent that because the hospitals have to be licensed by the state the state could like the state government which is in some ways more responsive to the anger of the population that does not want to get killed the state governments could revoke the licenses of hospitals that continue to implement the kill box programs. I don't know if or when that could happen, but I do think she's right that mechanistically there is a tool here, at least for the state governments to intervene and change the behavior of the hospitals and the clinics because they hold over them that licensure. Well, I know in Florida, they actually, DeSantis signed something earlier this year, I think it was, to to do something about like, something like that. I can't remember. It wasn't yeah, following. Yeah, I, I can't keep closely. track of all of, because there's so much happening in all the states, but that does sound right. I just don't know what it, what it is. I'm, I'm, I'm almost afraid. I'm almost afraid because here, here in, in Canada, we're looking at, we're coming up close to another federal election. And um, the Conservative Party, which would be side Trump is on, I can never get it in the US. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, he see he's talking the right points and he's gaining the conservatives back. Pierre something? What's his Pierre name? Pierre Polivier. Yeah. Yeah. But what I'm afraid of, and a lot of conservatives uh, are afraid of Pierre because it's, he, it's like you said before, it's almost like the, the opposite side of the same coin. Mm -hmm. because he's coming out saying that you know bill gates is a philanthropist and we need more people like bill gates i was like yeah. whoa, 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 what are you talking about yeah but he's like attacking uh mr Trudeau uh very viciously which is entertaining to watch um do you think that uh the next election down in the u.s you're gonna you're gonna be seeing something similar to that Yes, I think we're already seeing it. I I wrote a post a couple months ago that I think the U.S. currently has two puppet governments. One puppet government is the Biden administration, 
which is there to suck in people who really believe in the pandemic, really believe in the vaccines as a, something other than a bioweapon. Um, and the other puppet government is the Trump administration because they did a lot with the QAnon project and things like that to make conservatives or people who go on the red versus the blue um, believe that Trump was in there to drain the swamp and that even though he left office in after the 2020 election, the supporters were led to believe that he was secretly still in office and planning at any moment to like rise up with the military and get rid of all the bad guys. And by having those two puppets, the globalists who actually run everything through the administrative state can keep the population preoccupied and distracted and not seeing the people who are actually pulling the strings of both of those puppets. And that goes back to what Roy was talking about with the controlled opposition and stuff. And so I also try as much as possible to ignore presidential politics because I think that also is a sideshow. That is not who is running the country. That's not who could run the country unless the administrative state can actually be dismantled and all of the chain links that connect the administrative state through the treasury department, through the federal reserve bank to the bank of international settlements, bank for international settlements. If those links can all be broken and we can go back to being a sovereign country, then it would matter who was president. But in the meantime, it doesn't because they're not running anything. But who who do you elect? I mean, um, I don't care. I mean, I don't think it matters. <laughs> well, the, the the reason why I say is because we need to be governed as as a people. We need to have our own specific laws and regulations and rules that we need to follow. Uh, I know we have to follow. We only follow Christ as Christians. We only follow Christ. We do not follow men because mm -hmm. men are corruptible. So. Um, like here in Canada, we have two parties too, the liberals and the conservatives. Mm -hmm. We have two parties. We're believed that we have, we're believed to say that oh, we got like five, six parties. No, it's two parties, conservatives and liberals. That's it. Well, the NDP are a little bit bigger, but they're no better than the liberals or worse. But you got to vote for somebody. Somebody's got to lead. And if we keep, if we don't go to the polls to, to vote for somebody, you're going to get another four years, eight years with the same... With the same person this is the problem they're having in greece right now mm -hmm. it's like greece has been corrupted since alexander the great right after alexander the great it's been it's been all corruption greece has not been a sovereign country for two thousand years and the people in greece i know because i have family there they keep saying well, we try to change. I'm like, yeah, you try to change with the same person with just a different color of skin. That's all it was. Mm -hmm. Why don't you go the opposite way? But any, anyways, I'm, I'm just saying like, like maybe is, is it possible for the entire system to collapse in on itself before we can initiate real change? Yes, I think that's possible. I think that's even plausible, like, but that also gets right up to the point of people who are trying to restore constitutional Republican sovereign governments in each of their countries can do whatever they can think of to do. But at a certain point, we're the humans and we're limited. And after that, it's what God decides to do and how God decides to intervene. Um, and so it's plausible to me that there's a collapse and then there's a struggle between the globalists trying to like top down impose their reordering, what they call the Great Reset, at the same time that there's a grassroots trying to build a, a restored order or a restored functionality um, that's based on like constitutional Republican principles of 
people having the ability to use their free will to serve God and not to serve uh, the, the globalists. Um, and then it's just who does a better job of building and who does a better job of resisting the forces on the other side. Very cool. Thank you. I'm going to pass you back to Grace. Thank you for your time. Just uh, just to interject there, just before Grace goes on, because, you know, you're on about John, about the elections and everything, because I've looked at politics with a load of countries, Ireland, we the, the left and the right come together. I actually believe that when you vote from, you're giving your power away and that you stand under them and to have your sovereignty by not voting from, because then you can use your own rights by saying, I never agreed to these people. Whereas if you vote for whether it's Trump or DeSanto or whoever it's going to be, it's like that's why they're controlling us. So I personally believe that it's like by not voting, we have more rights. Catherine, uh, thank you, Roy. Thank you, John Hartmut. Catherine, do, do you want to speak just a little bit about what you know about uh, what's going on in Tennessee? In Tennessee? The, uh, the one with... Uh, with the, oh. the representative Bud Halsey? Yes. Because that might be a little hope. <laughs> yes. They, Bud Halsey is a representative in the state um, legislature in Tennessee and introduced a bill to nullify the effects of federal laws that overreach or violate the U.S. Constitution or the state Tennessee constitution, because all of our states have their own constitutions in addition to the, the federal one. Um, and it's a very good bill because it very clearly identifies the constitutional disaster that started in January, 2020, or was, became visible in January, 2020, um, and puts together a procedural way for the state legislature, the governor, or the people of Tennessee to take any federal act, any federal law, executive order, whatever it is, and pull it out and say, this is nullified for the purposes of implementing it within the borders of Tennessee. Um, and it's, he brought it under Article 10 of the U.S. Constitution, which is the one that reserves rights to the states if they're not clearly enumerated in the federal constitution as being something that the federal government can do. The last I heard about that bill was that it got tabled and put into committee for the summer. Um, and I have not looked at it recently to see if anything else happened, but the hope is that many, many other states will look at what he did and he had co-sponsors um, and their state legislatures will put together the same kind of package for their own states um, to send send the message more directly to the federal government that the states are aware of the, the power grab that has happened and are grabbing it back on behalf of the states and on behalf of the people that live in the states. Thank you, Catherine. And although we've been talking mostly about the kill bucks in the United States, but we are all aware that these the tentacles are way beyond the United States. Yeah. So we do encourage the other countries and people, as, as Catherine said, you know, whatever you feel like you need to do, do something. Mm -hmm. You know, okay. You have any last words for us, Catherine? Not that I can think of. Sorry, we covered a lot of ground. Mm -hmm. And thank, thank you. And uh, we appreciate everything that you do. And, and for all the others too, who have not been with us and in everything, in every way, just you know, keep that faith that we continue to intentionally align ourselves to the God source, because that's always another way that they could give us a lot of this information just as suddenly there's all disclosures about aliens. So you see, keep mm -hmm. an eye on the things that are being pumped too much and be cautious. So um, follow Catherine, Catherine Watt in, in his and in her pod, um, bailiwicksnewsubstack.com 
and also in i i i was able to get that five small stones oh, that yeah. resource that she mentioned she mentioned and to all of you there we will upload our our podcast in different platform that we're continually being able to you know be, be allowed to right. you know <laughs> put it up okay mm -hmm. you know? and the other so just be patient everyone it comes in the video and the youtube and take care and god bless you all okay thank you thank you